Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. We are one-fourth of the way to 100. It's Yay. a quarter century. Yeah, a quarter quell. I'm your host, Mati, and that voice that you just heard is Ian Anderson, former co-host and frequent guest of the podcast. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been like two minutes, so that's cool. We just finished recording episode 24, so we're doing a double feature, so bear with us if we lose our minds a little. This week, we'll be doing another Decade Marathon episode where we break down our top films from a given decade. So with 2019 coming to a close very soon, this will be the first of many episodes looking at films of the 2010s. So today, we'll be running through our top five animated films of the last decade. So just in case you did not check out the episode breaking down our top five horror films of the 1990s with the awesome Ryan Terry, I'll explain how this is going to go. Ian and I will take turns counting down our top five films starting at number five. So in the likely case of overlapping entries, we'll discuss the film the first time it appears on either of our lists. And we also thought that it would be fun to guess each other's top fives, so we'll be discussing our predictions for each other as well. And I'll say here uh, at the top, that these are personal, subjective lists, and that we have not seen every animated film of the last decade. At the time of recording, neither of us have seen Frozen 2, for example. Um, Though I'm actually pretty confident that nothing I haven't seen would change my list. I don't know about you, Ian. I I feel like things might change my list. There's so many animated movies out there. What haven't you seen? I don't know. Just like the the non-feature ones, like tons of like just indie, you know. Ow. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Is there any like big mainstream ones that you haven't seen? The the big one on my list that I haven't seen is uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Okay. I, I know I should see that and I've yeah. heard that's really great. And my huge one that I've heard is fantastic is Cars 2. Oh so, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's like James Bond, but animated and they're all cars. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I guess it just completely invalidates my list because I haven't seen Cars 2. But yeah. um, I think every, other than that, I've seen all the, like the main studio ones and I probably yeah. haven't seen like what is like epic, I think is one, whatever is like Fern Gully, but with a hummingbird. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Well, anyways, so for spoilers, uh, for the most part, we aren't going to be intentionally spoiling any of these films, but it is safe to say that these spoilers are fair game for any and all entries on the list. If there's a massive spoiler coming, we'll do our best to give you a fair warning. And I will also provide timestamps in the show notes for each of the films in the event that you want to skip to, you know, skip a section to avoid spoilers. Um, and then lastly, we'll be completely skipping the usual point two section to give us a little more time to discuss all these films. So with that, Ian, let's get into it. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, overall, what do you think about the animated films of this decade? Was making this list of top five hard for you? Yeah, this was super difficult. A huge inconvenience. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I, I was looking through, I love you, Ryan George. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan George. I was, I was just looking through a massive list of like 250 animated movies from the last decade. And every time I got to one, I would add it to my list and I ended with like 20 films on my list. And I I kept thinking like, Oh my God, these were all in the last decade. Like mm-hmm. there are so many great animated movies yeah, in the last decade. The decade is, a decade is a long time. Yeah. It's like hard to remember. Like yeah. 2010 was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. There was definitely a whole bunch of films that I was pretty upset that I had to leave it off my list. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to maybe, I like even thought about it. Let's do a top 10. Cause I think that that's, uh, a little easier, but it just ends up being way too many films to talk yeah, about yeah. Um, and a little bit 
difficult to kind of break down what's in what order. But I'm pretty happy with the five that I've chosen. And then the other thing that I looked at was if you go back to the 2000s, picking the top five from the 2000s would be impossible. I think all five of my films would be Pixar films. They made fantastic films in that decade. So at least we're not in the 2000s. (laughs) (laughs) So just before we jump into the list, uh, I just want to know generally, what do you look for in an animated film? Like what makes an animated film excellent for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it could be different things. Like with the Pixar movies, they don't have to do anything crazy with their animation to really wow me. Mm -hmm. Like they like with Frozen or Tangled or or not Coco. Are you calling those Pixar? No, like Pixar, Disney, like all all of those kinds of movies. Like they, they, they don't all have to be fantastic, crazy, groundbreaking animation to impress me. Like they, like with Disney, they have like their fantastic songs and those can win me over with an animated movie. A story that's original, you know, like Frozen was pretty different, I think. Yeah. Subversive. What? Subversive. Yeah. But on the other hand, something that I do really like in animated movies is when they do do, when they, (laughs) nice, (laughs) when they do things that you know, haven't been done before. There were some animated movies in the last decade that, like, they really show, showed just what animating can do. You can do, like, limitless things in animated movies that you wouldn't yeah. be able to do otherwise in live yeah, I action. Which, I wonder which one you're talking about. Who knows? I'm talking about a couple, all right? Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, th- those are generally the, the, the different things that I look for in a movie. I asked this question or like wrote this question down after I'm in my list. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the five films on my list are very similar films, actually. Um, Like when I was like writing down what I liked about each of them. Really? In general, I think for me, I really like film, the animated films that are hilarious, deceptively deep or like profound in some way. So it like, you know, it comes off as kitty, but it's actually talking about something a little more deeper than that. Um, I really like when they're subversive, Mm -hmm. um, when they kind of like, turn the expectations of the film on its head. Um, And then I also, like you mentioned, I really generally prefer when animated films do something that can't be done in live action. Mm -hmm. There's some exceptions to that. Like, you know, I mean, Tangled could probably be done in live action. Um, It wouldn't be as good. But for example, like, um, well, I don't want to spoil anything. So (laughs) let's just jump right in. Okay. Um, Ian, what is your number five animated film of the last decade? Yeah, so my number five was definitely the hardest to pick. When I made my list, I knew my top four right away, and then my fifth spot had a list of ten movies in it. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Can, can can we choose a series? I think that's fair. Okay. Well, actually, you can talk about... Let's talk about the whole series, but you specify which one is the best of that series. Okay. Are they all from 2010s? You know, I don't know. How How to Train Your Dragon is my fifth. Ever tried to train a dragon? No one's ever left to tell the tale. It's okay. I'm not gonna hurt you. Let's see if this works. We're gonna take this nice and slow. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. Everything we know about them is wrong. Let me show you. Either we finish them, or they'll finish us. 
this ends. It ends today. What are you gonna do? Something crazy. Interesting. That is also my fifth. Okay. The original <laughs> one is how to train your dragon. Or the original how to train your dragon is my fifth. Okay. Well, so that one was in 2010. Okay. Yeah. I. I. T- it took me so long to see those movies when I first. Uh, saw the the trailer years ago for the first movie. I thought it looked so stupid. I thought it was just like one of those like cash grab kind of things. Like uh, what's that movie called? Smallfoot. Yeah. <laughs> or like uh, Alpha and Omega. Those kind of animated movies. Mm-hmm. And then I kept hearing like rave things coming out before How to Train Your Dragon three. And so I watched the first two in one weekend, and I absolutely loved them. It was such like a great coming of age story, and story of friendship that kind of thing i i thought it was fantastic yeah so like i said number number five is the the first one for me as well and we talked about this series before because we did like practice pods before we uh, (laughs) went live or whatever so we did talk about hidden world i think what sets apart at least the first one from those films that you're talking about is well a couple things the first is the score Mm -hmm. is incredible i think it's probably one of my favorite movie scores maybe after like Endgame or uh, Finding Nemo or something like that. But score is fantastic. I think the character animation actually, at least in the first one, does not hold up at all. No, it doesn't. But it improves so much in each movie. Yeah. Um, that is, it, they look really blocky and awkward, but the design of Toothless is fantastic. Yeah. It's flawless. And the whole film lives and dies on this relationship between Toothless and Hiccup. And I really like that the film isn't just boom, they're instantly best friends, mm-hmm. right? There is a back and forth and it's it's not like, you know, it's not like a slow burn by any means, but it is a bit of a patient film and it lets the relationship grow at like a relatively realistic pace yeah. for like a semi-sentient creature or whatever. And he's probably like the animated creature that I've cared most about in any movie. Yeah. Well, Just because of that relationship that you see built in the first movie and then continue in the next two. And we've talked a lot about the parallels between the two of them, that they both need each other. So this is a spoiler, I guess. Sorry. A spoiler for the first How to Train Your Dragon film. Ready? At the end, Hiccup loses his leg um, in the final fight. And then there's this kind of relationship where uh, Toothless also loses his wing or like his tail wing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they both need each other for support now. Like Hiccup can't walk without Toothless and Toothless can't fly without Hiccup. So that parallelism of their relationship, I think, is a perfect example of like this film being a little deeper than it appears. Yeah, There's one line that I really love in this film. It's when um, Hiccup is talking to... In the first one? Yeah. To Gerard Butler's character, trying to explain to him that dragons aren't as bad as they seem and that, you know, they're not all natural killers or whatever. And Gerard Butler says, you know, they've killed hundreds of our people and Hiccup fights back with and we've killed thousands of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that idea stuck with me, like that there's losses on both sides. And like when you are pitting, it's like an us versus other kind of situation. Yeah. It's so easy to paint. Uh, the other side as the villains or the opposition, whereas when re- in reality it could easily be you who is equally as much the villain and the opposition. Yeah, so I agree. I think that goes into this whole idea of this film being an example of an animated film that's dealing with some deeper things, even though there's some slapstick, goofy stuff, and it's 
Hiccup's voice is Jay Burchell, so he sounds like a doofus the whole time, you know? I also think that this film feels like there's real consequences, Mm -hmm. uh, which is cool. And there's, especially later in the series. So do you think that the first one is your favorite or... I think... Which one would you put in to this number five spot? It's it's hard to say because it is... It's a relationship that like... The relationship is what makes me love these movies so much between Hiccup and Toothless. And you see it begin in the first movie and you see where it goes in the third movie. Yeah. Both of those are like my favorite parts of the series. So it's, it's hard to say. So do you rank them one, three, two or... Three one Pro- probably one three two yeah that's how I rate it yeah yeah I I really like Hidden World yeah that's on my um honorable mentions I guess um that is a great film and I really like how it wraps up the overall message of the film yeah it does the film series or whatever it feels like a complete trilogy mm-hmm. yeah great movies so both Ian and I's number five was How to Train Your Dragon from 2010 right at the start of the decade um or in Ian's case kind of the whole series. Of how to train your dragon so ian what is your number four my number four is the lego movie you're freaking kidding me <laughs> no that is my number four. Oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll see we'll see where this goes okay. wow <laughs> all right tell me what you like about the lego movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is one of those movies i was talking about that where they really do something different with the animation uh compared to so many animated movies it's a nice mix of like sometimes you can't tell if it's a like stop motion animation or if it's all CGI. Yeah, I think like probably ninety nine percent of it is CGI. Really? Wow. Yeah. But then there's like the it crosses into like the the real world. Yeah. Um, Spoilers ish. Yeah, a couple times, and I I just really like the the way that they structure the movie. You know, I guess it is spoilery, but at the end of the Lego Movie they like sort of zoom out from this world that they've been building the whole time. And it's a father's like Will Ferrell's toy set uh, with tons of Legos and his like kids have been playing with it and stuff. And it's one of those, I guess, different movies where you can watch it over again after seeing it the first time and think about what the kids are doing and the choices that they're making as the movie goes on. Yeah. The oh man, I love this film. I think all all five of these films are. I would probably give them tens out of tens, just all, for the record. All five. All five of the films on my list. Oh. So even though this is number four, it's like a perfect ten for me. Um, I think this is so much better than any movie about Legos has the right to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and this is also probably the funniest movie on my list. I would say it's definitely the one that is like by far, yeah, the funniest. And. Like you were saying, when you f- when you realize that the it's like kids playing with the Legos, there are so many tiny details in this that play to that that is hilarious. Like yeah. every time a cop will shoot a gun, it makes like a sound effect, like a kid going pew pew pew, yeah. and like when a co- a helicopter flies, it's got the like <laughs> and just little tiny details like that. There, I love the like the touches, mm-hmm. and I think all of that is probably because of not all of it. I guess that's not fair to literally everybody else in this movie, but Phil Lord and yeah, Chris Miller. They're amazing. Directors, those guys just get me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything they do is just incredibly hilarious yeah, to me. Like is. I don't think 
They've made even their movies, whatever, like um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Mm-hmm. That movie's hilarious. Yeah, it is. And so this movie, the type of meta humor that they do is pitch perfect. And the Lego universe is perfect for that. Yeah, it is. Like, so all the references, uh, you know, Voldemort and Godzilla mm-hmm. and all. Of, oh, man. And like all the DC heroes oh, and stuff. Voldemort and Godzilla, that's Lego Batman, actually. Yeah. Right. My bad. Anyways. Also a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my list, but. Um, Oh, I forgot to say, uh, I'm pretty sure I guessed this for you. Let me double check. Yeah, I did guess this one for you. I did not guess How to Train Your Dragon. What was it? Yeah, so just the animation style, like you're saying, so mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, it is. Um, it, and there... the way that they all move, like very uh, yes. <laughs> like juddery motions, where, where like those are the moments where I'm like, is that like stop motion? Like when, um, what's Chris Pratt's character's name? Emmett. Emmett. When Emmett's like running, his legs move like yeah. every... It's just so funny to watch. And then there's a scene where, like, there's a ghost, and you can see the ghost oh, hovering the in the air with string. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's very clever. Um, and then like even little things like when they when Emmett takes a shower, the stuff that comes out of the the faucet is like little blue Lego dots. <laughs> it's just it's so funny. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, there's just a ton of detail in here. And then another thing that seems to be recurrent in all of the films on my list is that there's like these central two characters. So in this one, it's Emmett and probably Wildstyle, mm-hmm. something like that. Maybe this one is more just a single person, but there's such a wide range of supporting cast yeah, characters yeah. that are so funny. Do you have any highlights for this one? Uh, Will Arnett's Batman. Yes. I, I, I love him. Yes. And I'm so happy they did a Lego Batman movie about him because I always want to see more of that. <laughs> yeah, he's so funny in this and I love him as like a supporting character. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how he's just kind of an asshole. Yeah. And he has some of the best gags, like... Uh, God, the, the time where he's, like, trying to hit a button with his batarangs, and he throws, <laughs> like, a hundred of them, and then when he finally hits it, he's like, first try. <laughs> <laughs> this is a song about how I'm an orphan. <laughs> so good. And the, the other character I love in this that, um, I don't know if this is common, but I really love Liam Neeson's good cop, bad cop. Oh, yeah, he, he's really good, too. He, like, kicks a chair and it hits a guy way off in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, just a huge amount of characters. They're all hilarious. But then it also has a great message at the end, right? Um, mm-hmm. About, I almost said creationism, but <laughs> not creationism, creativity. Yeah. Kind of not having to be defined by, yeah, not having to be defined by the limitations that the world sets for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the context of the film, it's obviously like, you know, you don't have to build Legos by the instructions that they're given to you. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you are. Uh, you know, there's the line at the end when Emmett tells president business, <laughs> which is like, it, it's so ridiculous to be talking about a movie with characters names like president business yeah. who has um, the polish remover of Nail yeah. um, as a weapon. <laughs> But like talking about it seriously with like an actually interesting message and saying, you don't have to be the bad guy. You don't have to be my opposition. We can work together. We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that film. It was a great message. And it's actually very much tied into my third film. Um, but before we jump into that, why don't you tell me your third film? You aren't going to guess my next two, I don't think. Okay, good. Actually, yeah, okay, I'll use that as my number three. What? I was going to switch it with my number two. That's fine. You can, uh, yeah, no, just commit. Full send. What's your three? Toy Story 3. 
gets going. I've been cool. I've been hungry. Now for a while. I guess most of my dreams have come true. With it all. Andy's going to college. Can you believe it? Mom, I'm not leaving till Friday. What are you going to do with these old toys? Okay, so I did have that on the list that you guessed. Okay. It is not on my list, actually. You know, Toy Story is one of those movies where I probably ruined the tape that I had when I was younger because I was just rewinding it so many times. Really? Um, yeah, I, I loved Toy Story. And Toy Story 3, I went to see with my mom and my grandma, I think. And I remember those two, like, they both were, were talking about before the movie. They they were like, yeah, I used to watch this movie, like, every single day. Like, it was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it was really fun to see with them because, it, you know, it was Andy growing up. And then, like, I was going to be graduating from high school soon. And it was just a really nice sort of uh, symmetry, I guess, between myself in the movie which i guess is something that they were going for they were like the fans of our first toy story movie are growing up now right and we want to reflect that and like what happens with you know the things that get left behind and stuff like that and i don't know the movie just meant a lot to me and i thought it was also really funny like the other toy stories i i don't think it really does anything different but it it just has a lot of sentimentality with me (laughs) (laughs) so i talked about this a little bit in my um review of Toy Story 4. The thing that really caught me off guard in Toy Story 3 when I rewatched it right before Toy Story 4 Mm -hmm. was that, spoilers again, I guess we are just spoiling all of these, but at the very end, the toy, they make it seem like the toys are going to die. Yeah. In the incinerator. And even when you know that they're not going to, like when you've seen the film already and you know they're not going to, You feel that moment. Yeah, when they're all like holding hands, You're just drifting like, down the side of the incinerator. <laughs> yeah, like I was watching it the the second time or third or whatever, um, the most recent time, and I was like, "Are they gonna die? I know they don't, but yeah. are they?" Yeah, there is just so much emotion in that film. Yeah, and then like the whole thing with um, Lotso and like his relationship with his like past kid. Yeah, is is so dark. <laughs> oh yeah. And then also think about that, like, Lotso is just now chained to a... uh, Like, dump truck? (laughs) Yeah. That is hell. Yeah. (laughs) That is toy hell. Yeah, but he also sort of deserves it because, you know, he he had this kid with the big baby. (laughs) Big baby is so terrifying. And he convinced this big baby that his, his kid didn't care about him anymore. And, like, all kids were awful because of this. That girl probably still would have loved to see the big baby again, you know? Yeah, because she didn't replace She didn't big replace baby. Big Baby. She only replaced Lotso. Yeah, he's a selfish dick. He's not a good guy. And he has to, like, realize that she only replaced him because she loved him so much and he was gone, you yeah. know? Toy Story has some pretty dark villains. Yeah. Like Prospector Pete, he's creepy. Um, have you seen the fourth one? No, I haven't yet. Okay. 
The fourth one also has, like this film, some like weirdly horror elements to it. You notice that in with, Toy Story 3? Like, like Forky's existence and stuff? Well, yeah, but um, like, well, and there's just all those like mannequin mm. dolls that are creepy. Yeah. But um, in Toy Story 3, Big Baby's kind of terrifying. And then the monkey. Yeah. The, oh, the, the clapping monkey thing. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> there are some terrifying toys in Toy Story. I, the whole series does sort of have like this existential terror to it in a way and like, like the f- the first one was crazy sid's abominations that yeah. he was building like a baby head on a robot and then the second one had that like horrifying like nightmare sequence of woody getting tossed into a trash can that looks like the sunken place from get out oh yeah just a whole bunch of toy carcasses yeah. and stuff like films are a little edgy um where would you rank toy story 3 amongst the toy stories I guess, I, I don't know, I haven't seen the fourth one. I, I like Toy Story 3 more than the second one, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the first one's my favorite. For me, Toy Story 3 is my favorite Toy Story. Oh, really? Um, I was never, I never like really grew up with Toy Story or Toy Story 2. So Toy Story 3 hit me at that same time. It was like I was going to graduate soon, uh, everything like that. And I just think the animation in it is like amazing. Yeah, it is. But also, it's just so funny. And... I also love the way Woody runs. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. He, he looks like Tom Cruise if Tom Cruise, like, all his arms fell asleep. Because he has no, like, real joints. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Yeah. Toy Story 3, definitely on my honorable mentions. Um, it was close. I was debating between that and How to Train Your Dragon, actually. Mm. So, um, my number three... Wait, can I guess it? Yeah. Or do you not want me to guess it? No, go for it. Guess. Your number three... Well, have you guessed my other... Did you guess that How to Train Your Dragon and uh, Lego Movie were on there? I guess that those were on your list, but I I had the positions reversed. Oh, really? And I, I have two more that I'm guessing for you, but they could be reversed. Um, Inside Out? It is not my number three. Is it on your list? It yeah. is. Okay. Okay. Can I guess another one or yeah. no? <laughs> uh, Tangled? It is not on my list. It's in my honorable mentions. Yeah, no, that was that one was tough to leave off too. There's a whole bunch of these that are really tough to leave off. Yeah, but my number three is Wreck It Ralph. Oh, didn't even have that on my honorable mentions. Really? No. So, have you seen this film? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, I love it. It was just not on my list. I yeah. Don't... So I something about this film, I just love it. I just yeah. absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I don't know totally why. Um, I think. Well, okay, I do know why. I wrote a whole bunch of reasons why. I love the world building that it does. I think it's so fleshed out and smart. You know, obviously there's a suspension of disbelief. Like, it doesn't make sense at all. And like (laughs) That all these games are connected somehow. Yeah, Yeah. and like, that's not how the internet works or electricity or anything. But if you accept the basic premise, I really like how inventive and fun everything is. I think everything that comes out of Vanellope Von Schweetz's mouth is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Well, I'm just going to wrap myself like a homeless lady. <laughs> yeah, so she's hilarious. I think Sarah Silverman does a great job yeah. um, as her. But I also really like Ralph. I think he's an ex- outstanding character in terms of design, mm-hmm. just like the way he looks, but also like his personality. And I think he's really well fleshed out in the sense that like you understand his motivations. You understand what makes him tick in a way that you don't with most animated characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's not really a vessel for the audience in the way that somebody like Emmett is. Yeah. He very much has his own personality and his own insecurities and things like that that make him feel like a real character. So I really like that. And then 
the relationship between Ralph and Vanellope. Again, so I keep saying this, there's usually a central relationship and fantastic supporting characters. Yeah. Same thing here. Mm-hmm. I really like the game hopping. I like the, it's almost like episodic jumping in between worlds. Yeah. And the second one, which I would put on my honorable mentions, not nearly as good as the first one, but it also has that where it's jumping from different parts of the internet. Yeah. Which is very fun. And then that allows for like different animation styles and different kind of video game styles. And then there's a ton of cameos like Sonic and Bowser are in here. It's really cool how they do that. Yeah. I was surprised they were able to get the rights to all that stuff. But then the thing that kind of set me over the top with this film was that there's a twist in this film or like not really a twist, but I'm just going to say it. So spoilers again for Wreck-It <laughs> Ralph here. You find out that King Candy is actually Turbo in disguise. Yeah. Right. And uh, so Turbo is this legend of a character who caused his video game to break down because he got jealous of other video games taking kids away from him in the arcade. So he went and like sabotaged the games. And so it caused Turbo and the other game to get shut down. So when Ralph is game hopping, they call it going turbo. And that is a very obvious reveal, yeah. if you think about it. But for what I, when you first saw it, did you see that no, coming? No, I, I didn't get that. Yeah, and retrospectively, it's so obvious that it's like, how do you not see this coming? But in the film, you're so invested in what's going on, and when it's revealed, it's like, oh, shit. I'm just now realizing that. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's thematically interesting, and it makes a lot of sense, yeah. but you don't see it coming for whatever reason. And I think that is the perfect sign of a good film, that you're so invested that you're not trying to predict what's happening next. Yeah. So, love it. Really funny gags. Uh, great supporting characters. I'm trying to remember. It was a really funny scene. I can't remember if it's in the first record Ralph for the sequel, but it's like the support group for villains. Yeah, that's the first one. Okay, that's so funny. Thanks, Sat- <laughs> Satan. It's pronounced Satine. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you've got the the, the second supporting pair of uh, Fix-It Felix and the general played by Jane Lynch. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but they are so funny together. Yeah, she's together. so funny. I love her. Um, she has some great lines. But again, this one has a really great message, too, about very similar to Lego Movie, about you know, not having to be who you're defined by as by other people. Like just because he's a bad guy doesn't mean he is a bad bad guy. guy. (laughs) Uh, Everyone's seen the trailer, but you know, you can take that to mean anything like uh, Vanellope's glitch does not define her. It's actually what makes her a great player. Yeah. So like there's actually a bit of like a a disabilities slash uh, autism motif going on with Vanellope's character, which is also interesting because of to her, think like, about. glitch thing? Yeah. yeah, so it's like, they call it her glitch. Um, and they're all worried that, like, because of her glitch, the players aren't going to like her, but it's actually what makes her great. Yeah. And it actually makes her a really cheap character. I yeah. Don't see yeah, how she, you should, would... she should be banned in tournaments. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, she's hero in Super Smash Bros. Yeah. But, but I really like that message. And then the film ends with that last thing of Ralph saying, you know, if Vanellope likes me, how bad can I be? Yeah. And I think that's really touching too. That like, it doesn't matter what the world thinks, what everybody thinks. If you find happiness with that one person, if, that's really all you need is a small group of friends to mm-hmm. support you. I don't yeah. know. Really, really sweet. Yeah, it is. So, um, good movie. Your number three was Toy Story 3, fittingly, and mine was Wreck-It Ralph. What's your number two? You aren't going to guess this one. It's uh, The Little Prince. Yeah, no, no. I, so is that a Netflix film? Yeah. Wow. Way to, way to give 
our podcast some indie flair. I like it. Yeah, I coming, it. coming from a small uh, studio called Netflix. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Netflix just bought it. Yeah. But so I've read the book. Like the the French? I mean, it was in English. Oh, but <laughs> Le Petit Prince. Yeah, I didn't, a, I didn't read it in French. Well, I, don't know, I read it in my French class Les when Poupou. I was younger. Yeah. So tell me about The Little Prince. Um, yeah, it's a really great coming of age story. And it's not at all like the book. I'm guessing not as many people have seen The Little Prince as have they've seen Toy Story 3 or Zootopia or something like that. So it, it takes place in a world where, much like our world, everybody's focused on, uh, you know, this arbitrary um, goal of success and what success means. And in, in this world, it means, you know, like getting into a great school, getting a great job, um, making a lot of money and then having the same plan for your children. And it's just like this vicious cycle of um, not really doing what you really want to do. And the, the main character is this young girl and her mom has this life plan for her. It's basically this giant spreadsheet of every single day until she's like 30 or something. Oh, wow. And she has to like follow this every single day for like the rest of her life. And then she meets like this old man um, who went on or supposedly went on these fantastical adventures. And you really see this uh, relationship between this creative, quirky old man who like the world looks down upon because he's weird. um, And this little girl who like is very impressionable and, you know, at that age where she can still do whatever she wants with her life. And you really see, like, it, it's it's sort of dark because a, a little girl shouldn't have to make decisions like this, like what to do with her life. But she, like, en- ends up having to throughout the movie. Um, and it's just a, a really great story, I thought. And the animation is really great, too. It's one of those movies that changes animation styles. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now. Because part of the movie is told from... Uh, the point of view of this old man who supposedly went on these adventures in space and stuff. Hmm. And whenever they are describing those adventures, it's a different animation style. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's a really great movie. I love it. So this is on Netflix? Yes. How long is it? It's like an hour and a half, maybe. Yeah. Do you know the company behind it or have have you heard Uh, of anything? I don't actually, no. Interesting. It was really good, though. Yeah. So when did you see this? I saw it two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, really? it, was very, it was very recent. It's been on it's been on my Netflix list for months now, though. Okay, interesting. So I, I wonder if there's like a recency bias at all or anything like that. But it yeah. sounds like you're pretty high on it. That's awesome. Um, okay, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I don't I don't know if I've seen any like animated stuff on Netflix. Really, I've I've checked out like some of their cartoons, but other than that, not yeah. really. All right, so Ian's number two is The Little Prince. That's from Netflix. So my number two, there's no way this is not your number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my number two is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This morning I woke up in the
<laughs> Wait, so how many of us are there? So we have talked about this film twice um, in practice pods. First, when we talked about Spider-Man, I think. And then this was both our number one film of 2018. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Let, I'll let you go first. Why don't you tell me what's good about this film? I This film is a masterpiece um, just from a technical perspective. Yeah. It, it's really, truly like a comic book on screen. The animation style is like nothing I really have ever seen in any movie. Mm-hmm. And the way it sort of picks up as the movie goes on. You know, when the when it first starts out, it is really juddery and yeah. uh, a bit more slow with, I guess, the frames. But it seems like it picks up as the movie goes on and as the main character, Miles, like, really figures himself out. That's and I don't know if that's, like... I, I mean, it's obviously purposely done, but... Okay, so I've always just thought that it's, like, your eyes adjusting to the animation style. I don't think it is. The, okay, because it feels like at the start, it's like, it is. It's very like, what the hell is going on? It's really hard. But then it kind of snaps into Yeah, because one, one of the smoothest pieces of the movie is when he really finds himself. You know, that famous shot of like him on the side of the building and when he leaps off and the br- glass breaks. Yeah. Like that is like, I think what, when it really hits its like peak of being like just smooth animation. Yeah, wow. That's I've I need to rewatch it and check that cuz you're right. I wonder if that jitteriness or like that kind of it's almost blurry mm-hmm. at the beginning. I wonder if that snaps into clarity after he's bitten by the spider. So like when he starts getting his powers. Yeah, I should I should try um, to watch it again and see if it changes right then. But yeah, damn. Wow, you're kind of blowing my mind here. Be- um, because like the whole theme of the movie, at least from what I took away, was, you know, everything is a, a leap of faith. And, um, you know, you're really not going to make these huge successes and gains unless you like take a leap of faith every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And something really, it's not really small, but that I, I picked up on was when uh, the other world's Peter Parker was teaching Miles how to be a, a Spider-Man and Miles was having trouble getting unstuck from walls. Peter would say, you just have to relax and like, you know, just do it, do whatever uh, it, it takes for you to relax, and then you can just release. And that that famous shot of Miles jumping off the building, his fingers don't entirely release from the glass, and that's why it breaks. Mm. And you can t- you can tell that he's not entirely comfortable. He's not like totally relaxed with what he's doing, but he knows that he has to like go help his friends. And that was just like one of like the the greatest connections in the movie. Yeah, in any little, movie for me. Yeah, little points like yeah. that. It's my favorite is... Spider Man movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, I can agree with that. Actually, yeah, I would say that it definitely has some of the best versions of Spider Man for sure. Like multiple versions. Yeah, are the best Spider Man. And another one of those things like you wouldn't ever be able to have Peter Porker the Spider Ham in, no, right. in a live action <laughs> Spider Man. Yeah, and what's cool is each of the individual Spider-Men have their own animation style, yeah. too. And so, I, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter and stuff, but uh, some of the animators or people that work on the animation have done a really good job at showing how truly difficult it is to blend 
those animation styles yeah. together and it's it's crazy stuff yeah there's a there's a joke in it like nick cage's uh spider-man noir who is this like really dark brooding spider-man uh whenever he talks there's like this uh like dark light that goes on him and like wind is blowing yeah and like people are always like where's that wind coming from <laughs> <laughs> we're indoors um another thing is when they first uh no we're just geeking out a little bit here apologies if <laughs> People don't care. But um, there's when he first introduces himself, he's like, sometimes I light a match just to feel or and let it burn down to the tip of my fingers just to feel something. anything. <laughs> yeah. And my brother pointed it out the second time we watched it that um, he says, dang it, because the la- the match goes out before it hits his fingers. Very funny. Very good detail. Yeah. And it should be noted that uh, they didn't direct it. But Phil Lord and Chris Miller very heavily involved yeah. in this film. And they have that same just meta tech meta textual humor throughout this entire thing it's mm-hmm. a very funny film mm-hmm. especially with peter porker and nicholas cage's spider-man yeah fantastic movie yeah all around great you mentioned one message the other message of course is the the ending quote of the film anyone can wear the mask you could wear the mask yeah. if you didn't know that before i hope you do now because i'm spider-man and i'm not the only one yeah and that also that lesson is also in, you know, Stan Lee's quote in that yeah. in, in his cameo in that movie where he's like he's a costume salesman at like a Halloween store and he's selling Miles a Spider-Man costume and Miles comments about how it doesn't fit and Stan says something like, you know, in the end it always fits or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. It is such it is just so smart and the animation style is so beautiful, but then also the message is so good. Yeah. And also the fight scenes are really cool. Yeah, they are. There's a couple of scenes in particular that there's no way you could do that in live action. Yeah. So fantastic. And then the soundtrack is also great. I listen to the soundtrack a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a big running yeah. album. What's for your me. what's your favorite song on there? Specifically for running, probably Elevate. Yeah, the Jaden Smith song. Yeah. N- no. I don't think. It's oh, that's right. way up. That's or? way up. Yeah, yeah. Elevate. Oh, okay, okay. I really like um, Danger. What's up, Danger? Yeah, what's yeah. up, Danger? That's yeah, it's a good one. It's great. So, um, yeah, my number two, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ian's number one. Is yeah. there anything you want to say about it? Because this is the last one we're going to get to talk about on your list. Um, just you know, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this that haven't seen it, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who who hasn't seen this movie? What are you doing? But but like I feel like people who haven't seen it, they're not seeing it because it's an animated movie. Yeah. And you absolutely should see it because it it's one of my favorite movies of all time, I think. Mm-hmm. It's probably either my favorite or second favorite superhero movie. Really? Yeah. After Endgame. Okay. Yeah. Endgame slash Avengers, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm surprised that there are no musicals on our list. Yeah, those were all of my honorable mentions. Yep, same. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know my number one then, right? You did guess it. My number one is Inside Out. So, how was the first day of school? It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure mm-hmm. did. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, uh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. 
Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Yeah. I remember you said that was one of, like, the only movies you cried in or something like that. Yeah. So, I think all the movies on my list, and probably Ian's list, uh, I haven't seen Little Prince, but they are all perfect. I mean, are not perfect, but tens out of tens. Yeah. Um, and they make me feel something. They make me think about aspects of my life in different ways. But Inside Out is the only film that on these lists that I would consider to be profound. Yeah. And I do think it's a bit of a cheat to like directly deal with emotions. Like it just naturally makes the film more emotional yeah. and raw. But I think this film does such an amazing job at getting into what it's like to have complex emotions and how those complex emotions change when you're growing up and what it's like to lose parts of yourself as you're growing up. And I thought that all of that, when I saw this for the first time, was hitting me right at a time when, you know, I moved across the country um, to a new college, like a new state for college. And like, it was, it was a couple of years after, but like, it was right when, you know, large portions of my friend group were changing. I was like, you know, at the end of a relationship, things like that. Mm -hmm. And just trying to grapple with what it's like to grow up. I thought this movie did an incredible job. Of yeah, doing it did. That. Um, so super raw emotions for me in this film. But on top of that, I think it has amazing world building. Like I've said before, like I really like how various parts of the inner mind and those inner workings are visualized. So yeah, you got yeah. the train of thought. That one's pretty easy. But then like the idea of abstract thought, um, facts and opinions being mixed up all the time, dream studios. I like the way that like the memories were. Yeah. What it's like to get a song stuck in your head, why yeah. that happened, stuff like that. The earworm. Yeah. So yeah, it, it makes... It, like everything makes sense in the context of the world. And I think it provides kind of a framework for both children and adults to mm -hmm. think about emotions in a simple but very profound way. Um, and for that reason, I think that this is a film that everybody should see. Like as growing up. Yeah. Like it's it's a perfect way to say, what am I feeling? Who's in control of my panel right now? What are my emotions? What are my uh, personality islands? It, it's a really easy way to do some pretty deep reflection yeah, of yourself. It is. And after every time I've watched this film, I've always thought, what are my islands? Um, how has that changed since the last time I've seen this film? So, yeah. I don't know. The other thing, you've seen this film. Yeah, assuming, yeah, right? I love it. Anything you want to say about it? Uh, just because this is the one of the only times we've talked about it, I do have a funny story sort of about this movie. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a creative writing class the my last semester of college, and... There was part of the semester we had to all write our own plays. And there was a girl in our class, I kid you not, wrote word for word inside out. And then <laughs> when we were doing a table reading, somebody was like, oh, this is this is inside out. And she was like, what? She played <laughs> stupid for like an hour that she'd never heard of this movie before. <laughs> And the professor just like failed her. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my god! It was plagiarism. <laughs> That's amazing. It was the exact same as Inside Out, except she used um, the scientific names of emotions instead of the emotions. That's amazing. She just like steadfast was like, "No, I invented this." Yeah, she was like, "Wow, I, I should probably look this up. This sounds so interesting." <laughs>
<laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it is a great idea. Like, I, yeah, everything about this movie is very smart. Yeah, it is. Um, but it's also very touching. I really like, this is the only film on my list that doesn't have a villain. Yeah. And I, I don't know, does The Little Prince have a villain? I can't think of an animated yeah. film that doesn't have a villain. It. I mean, in the same way that the villain of this is like the cruelty of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean, but everything in this one is like an internal struggle. Yeah. And like, if anything, the villain, quote unquote, is Riley's declining mental state. Yeah. And that's due to the inability to feel sadness. And I think that's another, I mean, I'm just like babbling about profound messages from this, but it's a really profound message to say like, sadness has a place and a role yeah. in complex emotions and without sadness you can't feel reasonable feelings like mm -hmm. like you can't suppress sadness sadness is important and that is something that like i think everybody like even if they know it should be reminded of yeah um like especially people who are dealing with depression and things like that they're like it's okay to be sad and then of course on top of that they have that goddamn execution of bing bong oh yeah <laughs> which is just a gut punch and he says take her to the moon for me, yeah. like, oh, waterways <laughs> of just like the idea of losing a part of yourself as you grow up. Anyways, the, the dad in that movie is what got me. The, the the dad in that movie might be one of my favorite like, like funny. characters. Yeah, funny, but like just how real he is as a dad. Yeah, he, I, and that's the other great thing is that like the family isn't really struggling with that much. Like, you know, there's a lot of people a lot worse off than Riley and her parents who have to move to to San Francisco. But it doesn't make it like a misery thing. It makes it like you know, these are things like everybody struggles with things. Mm -hmm. They can be small things, but it's okay to be upset by them. Yeah. Everybody reacts to different things differently. Yeah. Yeah. So fantastic movie. One of my probably top five films of all times, mm -hmm. not just top five, uh, our number one films that are animated of the decade. And do you want to just list off your top five again? Yeah. So my top five animated movies of the last decade in order from, I not least favorite because I love all of them. But uh, worst to best, I guess, are the How to Train Your Dragon series. Um, if I had to choose one, it would be the first. My number four movie is the Lego movie. Uh, three is Toy Story 3. Two is The Little Prince. And my favorite animated movie of the last decade was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right. And for me, we had actually a pretty good amount of overlap. My number five was How to Train Your Dragon from 2010. Number four was The Lego Movie, 2014. Number three was Wreck-It Ralph, 2012. And two was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from 2018. And number one of the decade was Inside Out from 2015. So uh, with that, are there any honorable mentions that you want to just throw out there that like pained you to not include on the list? Yeah, I have, I have eight that were, uh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> that, that were really tough to leave off. So, Coco, mm -hmm. Tangled, Moana, Inside Out, uh, the Lego Batman movie, Zootopia, and Rango. Rango. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I my five predicted ones oh, for you. And Big Hero 6. Really? Okay. I don't, I don't agree with that one, but that's fine. The five ones that I had guessed for you were Spider-Verse, Lego Movie, and Toy Story 3, which I guessed, and then Moana and Frozen, so... Frozen wouldn't be in my top five, but... Well, I know. It wasn't. It wasn't so. even in my honorable mentions. You did... No, you just said it. No, I didn't. 
Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, weird. Okay, well, so my honorable <laughs> mentions are Frozen, Zootopia, Toy Story 3, How to Train Your Dragon 3, Kubo and the Two Strings, Tangled, and Kung Fu Panda 2. Oh, Kung Fu Panda. I really wanted to give some love to that series, but I freaking hate that third movie. Was um, the first one earlier than 2010? 2008, yeah. Otherwise, it probably would have been there instead of How to Train Your Dragon. Um, okay, so uh, definitely a great decade for animated films. Fantastic, Hopefully. Yeah. This next decade will be just as good. Um, this has been our Decade Marathon episode on animated films from the 2010s. Ian, as always, thank you for joining me for an episode. Of course. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, I'd like to plug my Twitter because currently my ratio is like 9 to 1. <laughs> um, follow nice. me at iAnderson I on Twitter. The O in Anderson is zero. Awesome. Uh, and what film are you looking forward to most for the rest of the year? Probably Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Is that, that is the name. That is yes, the name? I think so. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Really excited for that one, too. You said that last time, but yeah. it's fine. So, whatever. Well, okay, I'll name, an, I'll name another. I'm also really excited to see Frozen 2. Yeah, yeah. which I think this is going to come out after Frozen 2, but we haven't seen it yet. Are you yeah, seeing it I this mean, weekend? Fro and Frozen 2 came out already, right? Yeah, like yesterday. Yeah. Okay. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through the top five comedies of the last decade. I have great guests for that one, so I am looking forward to it. Ian, what would you say your top comedy is on the spot from the last decade? Go. Top comedy. Uh... Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Man of Steel was in the last decade. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That, that was a better comedy than Justice League was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, shit. <laughs> name some comedies i don't even mine is 21 jump street so that was in the last decade yeah 2011 i think wow so or... i guess i'd go with that yeah yeah all right sweet sweet so we'll uh we'll dig into that or i will yeah until then bye see ya hello Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what was my voice there? I'd like, crack. Hello. Hello. <laughs> mm. And do you want to just list off your top five again? Yeah, sure. You not remember? <laughs> no, I remember. I'm okay. just trying to remember the order. Do you want me to do it right now? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so my top five movies were uh, the How to Train Your Dragon series. I'd probably, I guess, go with number the first one from 2010. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my fourth movie uh, was the Lego movie. Love, love it. 
Wait, I'm going to start over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just, just Google it. <laughs> I'm also going to ask you about your honorable mentions, so. Yeah, so my top five movies, top five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.